Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to another edition of Around the Waffle, hot off the heels of a wet and wild round 13. Thanks for joining us live from the Backchat Studios, wherever you may be across the state, the nation or anywhere in the football world. And today on this show we're going to review all the five games of round 13 and also cast the votes for the Around the Waffle Player of the Year and joined by Stan Wright of East Perth. Paul Persick with you in the Backchat Studios and I'm joined today by a man who's embodied the Christmas in July spirit with a big sweater of his, Mark Foreman. Mark, how are you, mate? Uh, well, thanks, Paul. Yeah, no, it's good to be here, and uh, it keeps me warm at best. I'm not sure it's easy to look at, but, <laughs> but it's yeah. very effective. Yeah, we make do. <laughs> uh, fantastic stuff. And what a round of waffle football it was. And would it be fair to say after round 13, Mark, is the top five all but set? I'd say so. I mean, it sort of felt like from the from the start of the year, we did have five teams and then the rest, and it, it's panned out that way. And as you alluded to, sort of West Perth, uh, you know, sitting in sixth and they're now three games and percentage out. So I dare say, yeah, it probably is set. Um, just depends on the order now. Yeah, they'll all be determined in the uh, next seven rounds of football. Where do, who do, who does finish on top? Oh, look, obviously Claremont there at the moment, but I, I really like what East Perth are doing. And um, with the return of um, uh, the big big Ruckman, who used to play for Fremantle, of course. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Crowden's one of those big returns as well, and Angus yep. Scott as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's East Perth look really strong, and I, th- I think um, uh, his, his name's escaping me. Big Ruckman. Zach Clark. Zach Clark. Zach Clark, Zach Clark of course. Um, sorry. Yeah, for Subi, he's playing for. But um, East Perth have been strong. Um, East Perth or Claremont? Toss the coin. I, I think East Perth, like what they did against Swan Districts on the weekend was, was pretty clinical. Um, I, I got to see a little bit of that match and, um, you know, ha- Hamish Brayshaw running around for, for the Royals as well has just been so strong. Um, I, I'm going to go with East Perth, um, but Claremont, well, you know, sitting on top, pretty strong too. Real toss of the coin as well come who's, who's the yours? second half of the season. I'm, I'm going to say Claremont yeah. as well because uh, their depth everywhere around the ground has just been excellent. And the fact that they've been able to get the close ones on the board, uh, especially last Saturday against South Fremantle, is a real testament. Speaking of East Perth, in just a moment, we're going to have Stan Wright joining us. And just want to remind you all that Round 14, every game, live, free and in full, is on the AFL app and on afl.com.au. It's going to be a big 14th round of the Waffle season. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. And like uh, Mark said, East Perth, they were clinical against Swan Districts on Saturday at Steel Blue Oval, making it six wins in a row and keeping in touch with Claremont at the top end of the ladder. Stan Wright, he's one of those players that holds the key for the Royals' fortunes, and he's good enough to join us on today's show. Stan, a warm welcome to you, mate. Thanks for having me, boys. Great to have you here on the show, Stan. It was a great performance by your boys over the Swans, especially at often what is a hard ground to play and win against Swan Districts at Steel Blue Oval in what was slippery conditions. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, we always knew it was going to be a challenge heading to Steel Blue. It's such a great atmosphere for for the Swan District Footy Club. Um, quite a uh, interesting crowd they've got there, but it's it's great atmosphere and um, it's a very challenging place to play and and win. Um, played there, you know, a number of times over my personal journey, and and it's um, yeah, we haven't had too many wins there, um, but it was great to to get the result. Um, and as well, I didn't think we played our best footy. I didn't think we were nowhere near our best, playing our best footy either. And it was good to get um, such a strong result um, at a tough place to play. 
um, and you know slightly slippery conditions. So and, and coming off a bye, we were a little bit rusty early, um, but it, our pressure was high, um, and yeah, we we really wrapped to get the four points and, and move on to to claim up this way. Hey Stan, tell us about the influence of, of Hamish Brayshaw. We know he's uh, a class player. He's been, you know, hanging around the AFL system as well, but uh, having a huge season. What, what's he like around the club, and how have you seen his impact on on the Royals? Yeah, Hamish is um, he's our one of our co-captains, so he brings a lot of leadership, um, being at that uh, AFL level and um, in years gone by. Um, you know, it's. He's definitely brought a lot of that through to our, our younger guys. Um, so not only with the senior group, also with the reserves, he, he helps out a lot of the upcoming midfielders. Um, and yeah, he's as you, you boys probably know, he's, uh, he's a he's quite a, he's got a quite a lot of energy. Um, doesn't take things super seriously, but when it's uh, when it's game time, um, you know, he's he leads from the front and had another great performance um, on on Saturday following his awesome performance. The you know, before the buy against Perth, so it's great to great to see him hitting some really strong form, uh, along with all our um, other midfielders. So um, yeah, we've got a, quite a damaging group in there, and they're all hitting the scoreboard as well, which is which is great. It's not just your experienced players, Stan, that are really firing. A lot of the uh, the young kids out there that are really showing their potential at the top level. Uh, talking about the likes of Sam Van Diemen, he had eleven disposals, but you know when he's at his best, he could really hit the scoreboard. He didn't do so on Saturday, but just the way he was able to influence the game up forward is uh, very important. Yeah, I think Sam, um, he's certainly found his, his role playing that small forward, a lot of pressure. I think he's leading our tackle count or, or pretty close to. Um, and he picked some, he's probably kicked two of goal of the years this year. So, um, he's, he's very, he's stepped up uh, along with, um, Mitchie Schofield, um, up forward. So it's really great to see those guys come along. I think that they wouldn't have played, you know, I think 30 or 40 games between them. So they're still very young guys in terms of league football so um you know we're we're really really impressed with how they're coming along and um yeah it's it's setting up our our forward line um we don't have a as such a key key forward at this point in time we've had a few guys try and play that role um but i think our balance at the moment has been really good um you know all of our forwards are really hard to play on and and sam's leading the charge uh, now, Stan, I've got to stitch you up a little bit here for our waffle listeners out there. Can you please tell us what your nickname is? Uh, we, well, I've got a few. <laughs> can you um, tell? I've heard about Westy. Can you <laughs> can you tell me why you're called Westy? Yeah, great question. Um, so Westy come along as uh, we've got a. This was a few years ago. This is probably 2019. We had a Easty or an East and a North. Um, Taylor North, and we've also got Tom North. Tom North has come along um, this year, but back back a couple of years ago, I was you know having a joke around as I as I do. I normally one giving out the, the nicknames to the boys, um, so I thought, well, look, every footy club I've been at, there's been a Westie. Uh, when I was down in Margaret playing back home in um, Dunsborough, there was a Westie. When I played up in Margaret River, that was a Westie. So I thought, you know what? There's no Westie here. I'll be the Westie and I'll be a part of the Compass Brothers. <laughs> yeah, so, very um, good. <laughs> so that's how that came about. And it sort of grew some legs. Um, it, it went down like a lead balloon back in 2019. But um, when I come back from playing uh, playing at Wembley in 2020 and 2021 um, back at East Perth, um, for some reason, the Westie just took off. And um, yeah, it's, it's stuck and... Yeah, there's a few other nicknames in there. 
which I, I won't uh, reveal to to everyone else. But um, but yeah, Westy's <laughs> Westy's quite a good one. Yeah, we'll keep it G-rated. <laughs> you've, so basically, you've summed that up as you gave yourself that nickname. I did give myself a nickname, but um, but because of if people who know me well, I give out a lot of nicknames. So I thought, you know what, who who else to, to give myself a nickname than the best nickname giver I know? So um, that's that's how that came about. Can I jump in there then and ask? Uh, have, is there a, a nickname that stands out that you've given to a teammate? Um, I'd probably have to say um, we've got Sam Van Diemen, who I call Robin, um, because of. Of course, our, you know any soccer lovers out there, yeah. Robin Van Persie. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's Robin. Um, oh, you put me on the spot here. Yeah, I know. I've um, we've got a few others. We've got. Um, uh, I'm not too sure why, but me and myself and Angus Shoemaker call each other Dana. After Conor McGregor, we just yell at each other, "Hey, Dana, sixty G's, baby." So we just. <laughs> I don't know why that's that's one that comes. Comes, uh, it comes about, but um, I feel like no, that's a... probably. I'll, I'll have to think about it. Yeah, I'll have to think about it. I feel like we've got a potential full podcast of the nicknames that Stan Wright has come up with. <laughs> well, it looks it looks pretty yeah, good, well, I reckon. That's... Yeah, myself and one of my best mates from down south when we were growing up at high school, we just gave everyone nicknames, um, all in a lot of fun. So, yeah, it's just something that you know you like doing, and, and of course. Oh, a bit more on a serious note, obviously, you know, training every every three times a week can get bit can get a bit stale, and yeah. you know, just to, things like that to freshen it up. And, and footy clubs a great place to uh, to have um, to have a nickname and that sort of fun. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit of fun. Now we second that, uh, Stan. Fantastic stuff. Great job by you and the boys on Saturday against Swan Districts at Steel Blue Oval. All the best for this coming Sunday, the top of the table clash against Claremont. That's going to be an absolute ripper. Thanks for your time here on Around the Waffle. Thanks, boys. Appreciate your time. Stan Wright, or uh, Westy, as he's affectionately known at the club, joining us here on Around the Waffle. Imagine that. The, the best nicknames that stand it. So we've got Forey. We've got Donkey. We've got Skeet for Mark Reddings. We've got Scoey for Will Schofield. We've got maybe DC or just Dan for Dan, who's uh, working the buttons here. So uh, some other funky footy nicknames that we could discuss. Well, some, some, I mean, some of those you just mentioned are uh, straightforward, but it sounds like uh, Stan really put some thought into them. He did, he Working did. his way around the yeah. compass is not bad, I reckon. Absolutely. Maybe there's one for Northy, there's one for Easty, maybe one for Southy or something. That was the one that he left out. Yeah, I'm sure he'll... I'm sure it won't be long before he finds a teammate he can label th- Southie. Someone, <laughs> someone out of form, perhaps. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Thanks to Stan and all the best to East Perth for their game on Sunday against Claremont. Just a reminder, all games in Round 14 are live, free and in full on the AFL app. It's going to be a big weekend of footy. We'll have a preview of that with Rod Spin-Willett on Thursday. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. All right, let's get into the action for it. First up in round 13 on Saturday at Leaderville Oval, Subiaco and Peel Thunder. They started slow, the Thunder, but uh, they are showing why that they are a double chance threat. Winners by 14 points over the Lions. Yeah, they were. Um, now, yeah, I've got a, a couple of like close connections to the Lions, and, and this is where I was alluding to, you know, the coming Zach Clark coming back, and, and he's provided a real presence for them. Um, and, and speaking with a triple premiership player, I think he was, um, Dan Leishman, who used to play with Subi. He was telling me how they've almost probably exceeded their expectations this year. They did obviously fall short against Peel, but um, they, uh, I feel like Subi are not without a chance as well. Um, to Because, you know, as we said, looking at the ladder, there's only eight points that separates fifth and first. So um, Subi certainly not with it, uh, out of shot, but 
Peel, obviously, with those AFL listed players as well, are, are always going to be yeah, a pretty big threat. Um, and they were too strong yeah, on the weekend. It's not just a mix of the, the Dockers players as well, but a lot of the locals that have you know, had their opportunity to shine at Peel Thunder, and they're making the most of it. When you look at the likes of Ben Hancock, the captain, he played a ripper game, 27 touches. Also, uh, Blair Bell, another 20 touches uh, for him. And also, Liam Reedy, 22 hitouts uh, against Sat Clark. I think he won the battle against the big line because of the support he got around the midfield. And that was always going to be a key. Despite Peel having 10 less inside 50s, they were still able to be effective uh, in front of goal. Um, yeah, 18 scoring shots to 14, and that was what really made the difference for Peel Thunder at the end of the day. Yeah, and um, yeah, look, that that sort of efficiency and to, to have those opportunities on goal has is, is been impressive. And I think, you know, in a way, it's actually probably a good thing what's happening here because it shows that the alignment, you know, the alignment method can work and can work quite well. Um, and of course, West Coast are in that that phase at the moment where they're sort of saying, "Well, maybe we should go back to the alignment." But um, Peel Thunder showing us that it can work, and sitting third on the ladder and and sitting pretty, it's it's no easy feat to go to leadable oval to beat Subiaco at, at any time. So. Um, they've done well. They've and in slippery well. conditions as well. And and the fact that the Peel backline did so well in holding down Subiaco's key forwards. Ben Sokol only held to just one goal. So the Thunder backline, they are a real force uh, heading into the next few weeks of the season. Now, the next game, it still blew over. We spoke with Stan Wright about this one. Uh, East Perth, absolutely clinical. Too strong for Swan Districts. Their sixth win in a row. This is a team that is saying to Claremont, watch out, we're coming. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, and like I said, I think they're a real chance this year, East Perth. And um, Hamish Brayshaw, is, he's been like enormous. You can't under, underestimate what he's done for that, for that club this year. Um, shows a, you know, he's, as, um, as Stan said, he he's, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. But the way he still moves around the field, it's really noticeable that, you know, he, he is a class above. Um, that they'll be a force this year, and you know, I, also I've got a uh, a close family member who is a massive Swan Districts fan. Uh, oh, was no. out there, yeah, was out there at um, Steel Blue on the weekend watching, and at one point, and whilst he he he, he did tell me, look, this isn't the reason we lost, but at one point the free kick the free kick count was sixteen to four by way of East Perth, so um, it was slightly one sided, but. You know, you could also argue that they were first to the ball and, and those sort of things. But they just showed more desperation and discipline, East Perth. Yeah, they did. And um, again, you know, watching some of the highlights, the way that they cut through the centre of the ground was really exciting, I think. Yeah. Um, fastest avenue to goal. And, and Hamish Brayshaw is one of those that just really does slice through the centre of the ground. But um, as you've alluded to, that they've got real depth as well, East Perth. And, and from the bottom up, they were far too good for Swans. Everywhere. They just got depth everywhere. They look a complete side. And especially with the fact that Ross McQueen's there as a coach and he's got so much more out of his plays. What, no, no disrespect to Jeremy Barnard, what uh, Barnard got out of them over the last two years that he had been his coach. So I think Ross McQueen's entry to the East Perth scene as a league coach has really galvanised the team into a winning combination. It is great to see uh, East Perth competitive uh, once again. Yep. Swan District's Jesse Turner, he played a lone hand for Four disposals, but they were just exposed. They were just exposed. They let in so many gaps in the midfield, and their forward line just didn't really function. I mean, when you look at Jesse Palmer, only held to a goal. Jackson McLaughlin, he was serviceable, uh, 27 disposals, but they just didn't really click. Only four goals, eight for the day. 
Yeah, I know. And yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can add to that, to be honest. But how is 44 disposals in a losing team is incredible. Solid, solid um, effort. From Jesse Turner. Um, Look, there's there's still some names in that team. Um, It's probably, I think with Swans, it's, it's, it's probably your bottom six that are, you know, almost not as strong as as they need to be. And I think that's where games can almost be won, not from your, your best six players, but from your bottom six being really serviceable. So, uh, yeah, look, they're, they're a work in progress, Swans. Yeah. So they, they won't be down for too long. No, they certainly won't. They're only in seventh place, and uh, they're only just behind West Perth, who, who we're going to go to next. Pentanet Stadium in Joondalup, West Perth, beaten by East Fremantle to the tune of 41 points. The Sharks, brilliant in the second half. They kick six goals to just two, and that all but ends uh, the Falcons' premiership defence, I'd say. They're too far back. Yeah, uh, and this is where what we were looking at at the start. So four games out uh, as well as percentage with only seven games left. So, uh, you know, mathematically still possible, but um, it does look like it's it's done for West Perth. That was um, very much a, a non-negotiable win and, and they weren't able to do it. And uh, look, some of their, you know, some of their senior players were a little bit down. Aaron Black only, uh, I think, think I saw, yeah, 15 disposals. Um, well, a but, lot of them were down. Aaron Black wasn't the only one. No, of course not. And, um, you know, they, they've still got some... Uh, you've still got some guys there who, you know, have, have been around the footy a long time and, and I suppose you'd call them veterans um, who perhaps didn't get their hands on it as much as, as they'd like. Um, Tyler Keitel was pretty well held, mm. who who we know is a, a real danger and has been for years. So, and Keegan not. Yeah, I saw that he was right down the bottom. So only only had it five times, you know, kicked a goal. But um, yeah, he, he was pretty quiet as well. So again, another team that they've got the quality there. It just hasn't really clicked as they'd hoped. Yeah, they're still basking in the content, I would say, from the Premiership <laughs> last year, which is common a lot amongst a lot of clubs in the football world. You know, you can call it the Premiership hangover. You can call it anything you want. But uh, yeah, it just hasn't been the same form that saw West Perth lift up the flag at Leaderville last year. But East Fremantle, don't take anything away from them. They were fantastic, especially Cam Eardley. He usually plays down back, but what he was able to do is increase his game, is increase his work uh, work rate. 32 touches, four marks, two tackles, and kicked the goal to boot. Outstanding performance from him. Milan Murdoch saw the ball 30 times. He was effective in midfield. And down back as well, the likes of Thomas Bennett and even Ruben Maguire, who shifted down back, but also up forward. It's good to see this man back in form. Big John O'Marsh, three goals from 25 touches. Yeah, oh, look, those... You can't understate the influence that the Marsh boys have had on on East Fremantle. I think, um, with again with some AFL experience, those two as well. Um, that yeah, they, they've been really brilliant. And and look, just just on West Perth before we move on, it's we can't understate how difficult it is to win a premiership. So to to, to go back to back was always going to be a challenge. But um, you know they haven't been up to it. And and East Fremantle, yeah, uh, were just super strong. And I, like. Those those sort of guys, the, the ones you alluded to, and and the Marsh boys in particular, you know, kicking three, big Jono Marsh. Um, th- that's put East Fremantle in with with a real hunt. They had lost a few, a uh, couple in a row, I think, a few weeks ago. But um, they, you know, they're back on track and certainly solidified in in the top five. And um, who knows that they. they, they they're probably ones that could push for a top two finish as well. Possibly, you know, only time will tell. Now we go to the fourth game at Mineral Resources Park. And, oh, what a finish (laughs) this one was. Perth, they looked home and hosed uh, at halftime. But 
This was West Coast's best effort. It was their best effort. They got to within a couple of points. They hit the lead with seconds to go. And then that rushed behind, saw the scores tied. And the Eagles, with their first points of the season, chaotic finish at Lathlane. Oh, they're back, West Coast. They're absolutely back. So, um, you know, watch out. They mathematically, well, let's see, seven, two. Yeah, look, mathematically, technically out of it. So... (laughs) No, it was You great. are crazy. It was great. I mean, it, it has been a season of pain yes. um, for some of those players. And um, I'm trying to think back. I, I remember in junior footy, I, you know, I, th- I was in a, a team that got belted most weeks. It's, it's no fun. And no. so to taste the first points of the year is like, you, honestly, it's, it's pretty important for some of those players. Like you, you want something, you want to know that you're actually a chance to win a game. Um, and you know, well done. It, 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 that's it's fantastic that uh, they they were able to get some points. It probably should have been four. Yeah, considering um, they had the lead with two minutes to go, it was about yeah. a, a six seven point lead, and they had every chance that they could to uh, snap uh, snap up the game. Yeah, and I think it, it probably comes a time where you actually have to learn how to win too, mm-hmm. um, which is not something that these guys have been able to do. We we know why. We know why this is happening, and um, hopefully it. Um, you know, fixes itself with when injured players come back uh, to the to the AFL side, and, and it allows a few guys to come down. But um, shout out to to some of my North Beach boys. Uh, I noticed Darby McCarthy got his hands on the footy Had a, a fair game, bit, yeah. um, and I think uh, Shannon Lucasen played in that game too. Yes, he did, yep. but um, he was a little more quiet. But um, the look, the injuries not only to the AFL side but also to the waffle side have affected it. Uh, I know that Joey Deegan is, is out as well at the moment for West Coast. So um, there's hope. They've got they've got players to come back, but it's fantastic they could get two points. I think, unfortunately, this probably says more about Perth than it does about West it Coast. It does, because they led by some five goals at the start of the second half, and many were thinking, okay, you know, given West Coast fortunes this season, Perth would kick away. But they didn't, even with the likes of Charlie Thompson, Corey Byrne, Sam Stubbs, seeing plenty of the football, including uh, Jack Avery and also Corley. They just couldn't string it together. And I reckon Peter German, the Perth coach, will put the boys through a hard week because that was a game they should have won and they were certainties to win. I wouldn't want to be in that Perth squad this week. Uh, I can't imagine Peter would be all that pleased. Um, look, this this isn't... I didn't get to see as much of this game, so... You, you know, can't pinpoint where it went wrong, but I think you can just take the result at face value and uh, I can't imagine they'd be overly thrilled. No, no doubt about it. Now, let's go to the final game, Fremantle Oval. This one was a ripper. South Fremantle led for about 85% of the game and then Claremont, they just keep finding those ways to win the close ones. It's about their fourth or fifth close win this season. They're on top of the ladder for a reason. Uh, they are and good teams find a way to win. And that, adverse conditions as well. Yeah, and, and that's what Claremont keep doing, um, which is, you know, it, it's intimidating for, for other players. I, sorry, for other teams. I think you, you, the best example of this sort of thing we saw um, at a higher level was Collingwood last year, winning close games, and you alluded to it there. Claremont just keep finding a way, and good teams find a way. Um, and they've done it again, and um, it also seem to be a case of making the most of their opportunities too. Um, they kick pretty straight and they use the ball pretty well. Especially with Bailey Rogers and Ben, ben Edwards, who was back in the side. He had 29, Bailey Rogers, 24, and kicked the game winner as well. Jack Lucy further up back was very good. But South Fremantle, even though they blew that chance to win the game, 
They've got a lot of positives. Jake Florenka, he was fantastic. Brock Higgins, the rumbling Rambo on the ruck. He was back to his best form, 27. But Jimmy Miller, up forward, since he's been a primary forward for South Fremantle, he's been regularly that key avenue to goal. Four goals from him, outstanding. Yeah, a real presence. Um, and, like, you know, making the most of his opportunities too. To, to kick four goals in a team that only kicked eight is, you know, pretty, pretty darn impressive. So he obviously kicked half their score. So... Um, an important uh, avenue to goal for for, um, for the Dogs. Now, like West Perth, South Fremantle have had nightmares at home this season. It was their fourth loss at home and a ground where they usually do well at. They've lost games to Swan Districts, Perth of all teams, East Perth as well, and now Claremont. Has that intimidation factor started to wane as far as South Fremantle is concerned? Has teams have been able to work out how to beat South Fremantle at Fremantle over, like how they to beat West Perth at uh, Pentanet Stadium? Probably, um, you know, to an extent. I, I, I think it's obviously being in Metro Perth, the travel isn't that much of a factor. Um, and it's probably just a case of, I think it's more reflective of where Souths are at rather than, you know, trying to build a fortress. But um, it, uh, yeah, to start with, you, you want to be winning at home and to be intimidating. You, you, you want to be an intimidating side to host when other teams come to play. But um, it's it's probably more so just reflective of, of where the squad's at and, mm. and the way that they've performed this year. And, you know, not surprisingly, they're second last. It was a big win for Claremont. Congratulations to them. And where does that leave the ladder after round 13? Claremont on top, a game clear of East Perth and Peel Thunder. The Royals holding down second, Thunder in third, and then East Fremantle and Subiaco rounding out the top five. In the bottom half, West Perth a little too far behind. Then come Swan Districts, Perth, South Fremantle, and West Coast getting their first points of the season. Just a reminder, round 14, every game is live, free, and in full on the AFL app. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. All right, Mark, let's get to the votes. The Around the Waffle Player of the Year, of course, 54321 for those watching for the first time. One vote goes to Cameron Erdley of East Fremantle, ventured to the midfield and played an outstanding game. Benjamin Hancock of Peel Thunder, he gets two votes. Captain's game, great performance from him. He was sensational. And I never thought I'd be giving an Eagles player any votes. <laughs> but Jed Kemp from the West Coast Eagles, he gets three votes for his performance in that uh, draw against Perth. He was very effective. He ventured up forward, kicked two goals, and uh, his service around the ground was absolutely brilliant. Four votes goes to Hamish Brayshaw of Ooh, East Perth. Rough. Yeah, but I-, I think he'll still be content with the four votes. He was absolutely sensational. All-round game. Wherever he plays around the ground, he is effective. And uh, the three goals and also uh, the, the uh, 24 disposals as well was just brilliant. Was it 24? 24 and 24 and three. Uh, you know, rough not to get the five votes. So who's that gone to? Well, uh, I, mu- I must apologise. 34 touches, I should yeah, say. That's 12 right, yeah, that's right. 12 marks. Now, yeah, 34 and three. He's stiff not to get it. But you do have a man who... Played a darn good game. Certainly did. This may come as a shock since it's coming from a player in a losing team. The around the waffle top gun of round 13 goes to Jimmy Miller of South Fremantle. Yeah, um, and we touched on it just before. So, I, look, pretty well deserved. I mean, both were stiff. Hey, uh, Bradshaw stiff not to get five, but Miller would have been stiff not to get it as well. So, 
Hard to split him. Yeah, well, four goals in, in adverse conditions against what is usually a good Claremont back line was a solid effort for Jimmy Miller. So he gets the top gun for round 13. Congratulations to him. And where does that leave the leaderboard? After 13 rounds of the 20-round season, Jai Bolton's still in the lead on 11. Zach Clark and Jarvis Pena are tied on second with 10. Milan Murdoch with nine. And Tom North on eight. Jimmy Miller goes into the top 10. He is on seven votes. And then Hamish Brayshaw, Angus Schumacher, Mitchell Crowden and Corey Watts, all from East Perth, rounding out the top 10. Uh, what a season it is going to be. Second half of the season well and truly in full swing and the top five pretty much all set. Now just before we go, Forey, I just want to send a congratulations to Jamie Harkin of the Claremont Football Club who last night picked up the Dara Kerr medal for the Waffle W Best and Ferris. You've called a bit of Waffle W this season Forey. Claremont have had a great season they're heading into their second straight grand final Jamie Harkin, she's really holding the key. Yeah, and I remember actually calling one of the one of Claremont's games, and she was prolific. You know, won, won a lot of the footy, and um, is uh, you know that it doesn't surprise me that she she was the winner of that medal, uh, and will be really important as they mount their assault to uh, try and take this premiership. It'll be back-to-back for Claremont against East Fremantle in the grand final uh, rematch. We will have a preview of that on Thursday on their edition of Around the Waffle. It's going to be a big day on Saturday. Forey, thanks so much for helping out today. Really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Good to be involved, Paul. And we thank you, our viewers and our listeners, for tuning in to today's show. Just a reminder, we have socials in operation, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up. We really do appreciate it. And you can also watch us on our YouTube channel, the Backchat YouTube channel, and also listen wherever you get your podcast. Rod Spin Willett will join us on Thursday to preview round 14 and the WAFLW grand final between Claremont and East Fremantle. Thanks for your time. We look forward to your company then. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.